Good morning on a clear and crystal beautiful uh, Friday morning in New York City. For a change, we haven't been pelted by any snow, hail, wind, uh, as our show tends to do. Um, Hello to Secrets of the Sire fans out there everywhere. We are growing by the... By the day, by the hour, it's always great. Hello to the Periscope peeps out there. Uh, Booster Greg just joined. We had someone else on and just asked about the Avatar movies, and we're going to get to that because that's the topic of the day for us. Uh, But a little house cleaning. Uh, We are obviously, we are of course live every Friday on TalkingAlternative.com, but we have exciting news that we'll actually be moving to a primetime slot starting in May. And uh, yes, Buff Man Whore. Uh Uh-oh, did we just get booted off YouTube for that? I hope not. Uh, We are a dope radio show. Uh, We are live on TalkingAlternative.com, so you can actually uh, listen in, and you're actually viewing it as we record, so uh, we... We appreciate your patronage. Secrets of the Sire is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash secrets of the sire. Sire is spelled S-I-R-E. Secrets is spelled like what Secrets normally is. And of the, you shouldn't have a problem with that. You can also go to secretsofthesire.com. Check out our weekly blog. Uh, this week we'll be touching on a number of different things. So welcome to all the Periscope peeps. Welcome to the YouNow peeps, the YouTube peeps, uh, everyone out there. Uh, we have an awesome guest coming on who was actually a guest a few weeks ago. Um, but with the unexpected news of a very, very interesting crossover... Um, and the announcement of a ton of movie sequels coming up from a particular franchise. I thought it best to invite someone who actually has been on the inside. Um, welcome, Jersey Jedi. Welcome back, actually. It's great to see some of the recurring Periscope peeps you know, tuning in and, and uh, being able to kind of check us out. Uh, what a wacky, wild uh, world we live in with the movies right now. Um, I'm jo- joined always by our engineer Sam, and uh, we have a new uh, new body in here as, as well. His name is George, and he's helping out backstage. And George actually rushed out after last episode and checked out Batman v Superman because of all the wonderful turmoil that it that and the, the hot debate, and had to see it for himself. So I love that we actually initiate action among our our listeners, even if the listener happens to have to be here because he's working. Um, but On that note, we were actually going to, or I was going to, pick up the conversation exactly where we left off last week and talk about the DC movies. Um, However, all of a sudden, I I read on Thursday, Men in Black is crossing over with 21 Jump Street. And the movie is now MIB 23. And they're actually, they're going, they're they're going through with this. It's it's crazy. Um, On top of that, Avatar is not just coming out with a movie sequel. It's not just coming out with two movie sequels, three movie sequels. It's going to come out with four movie sequels. Four movie sequels for Avatar. We haven't had one in seven years, and now he's going to be shooting four. So talking about Avatar, we're going to bring on Jeff Gomez. Uh, he is a transmedia guru. We're going to bring him on our, in our next segment. He's going, to, he's going to give us a little behind the scenes. He has sworn to secrecy about any plot details, but... I'm, I'm curious about the inner workings, and maybe we'll get something out of him anyway. Um, he also, his company, Starlight Runner, uh, created and crafted a story universe for Men in Black. So I am really, really fascinated to find out how the heck 21 Jump Street and Men in Black ended up crossing over. So here's my take, and here's how I think it ended up happening. Um, We'll use a little football analogy for anybody that follows me. I actually write for Inquisitor.com. I write all about pop culture on there, too. But I'm a huge sports fan. I'm a huge NFL guy. Uh, Big Jet fan. Yes, I know. Cue the weeping and the violins and all that stuff. We've had actually a pretty good run. We just haven't won a Super Bowl, but that's okay. In football, you see a lot of copying, right? I mean, you you obviously look. If you have a great quarterback, and we're, we're using this as an analogy, so follow me along. If you have a great quarterback, you win. That's great. However, a few years ago, you had the Seattle Seahawks come in and pulverize a great quarterback in Peyton Manning. And when they did, the very next year, all you saw were a bunch of teams, a lot of teams, building their team. Because, look, great quarterbacks like Peyton Manning don't come around all the time. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. You don't have these great quarterbacks everywhere. So using this analogy to the movies, Seattle laid out a blueprint for how you can win a Super Bowl without having a great quarterback. Now, they do have Russell Wilson. Turned out to be very, very good. But 
What ended up happening now is, again, all these other teams started mimicking what uh, the Seattle Seahawks did to win the Super Bowl. Move it over to the movie universes. Marvel movie universe is the Seattle Seahawks of the movie industry. They have quietly built up around their characters. They don't build around a star. They don't build around, you know, obviously you had Robert Downey Jr., but to be honest with you, Iron Man reinvented Robert Downey Jr.'s um, career. I mean, it reinvigorated it to the point where now he was able to kind of go into that to that upper stratosphere of actors. He wasn't, I mean, he was better known for his arrest history than his movie history up to the point where he was in Iron Man. So count that out right off the bat. You actually even have stars jumping on now to Marvel movies because Marvel movies are so big. But when they first started out, they were not. They were the Seattle Seahawks of the movie industry. And what they did with Iron Man and with Captain America and with Thor and then with the Avengers movie was prove that, hey, people want crossovers. Or actually, hang on. I'll, I'll rewind a second. What it proved was you could lay out a foundation to have crossovers in movies. You could lay out a foundation to have all these great characters that people have known and loved, these IPs that people have known and loved, and bring them all together. And then you could actually plan out something really extraordinary. And it proved it with Avengers. Avengers hit the, hit the bank uh, running. I say the bank running because, I mean, the exact figures was, what, $600 billion worldwide, something like that. I mean, some, some crazy number. Um, I'm obviously recounting from memory. I don't actually have it right in front of me, but uh, that's the kind of preparation that we do on Secrets of the Sire here. We guess based on all of our geek knowledge that we intricately and uh, intimately just process and never get to use, except unless you have your own radio show, in which case you get to use it then. And what everyone now did, DC now did, Sony did as well, and you can even look at the same analogy with Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight uh, trilogy that he, that he put out, where it was dark and gritty, and now we need to be dark and gritty. So Sony said we need to make Spider-Man dark and gritty for some reason. Uh, but again, the analogy is just this. Whatever works, you're going to have a million followers and copiers doing the exact same thing. And that's the analogy, and that's what I'm trying to get across to you. Um, Marvel laid this foundation for crossing over all these characters into movies, and now all these people want to jump on. Segwaying right back into what our conversation was last week about the DC Universe rushing to get to where Marvel is, rushing to put a Justice League movie together, rushing to get all this, you know, fanfare and hoopla around their Batman Superman that they ended up making what many consider to be a subpar movie. I consider it to be okay. George liked it. George is actually sitting next to me. Uh, for the Periscope peeps, we can say hi. There's George. And uh, Sam is over there as well, too. That's for all the Periscope peeps. If you follow me on Periscope, it's at Michael underscore Dolce, D-O-L-C-E, like Dolce and Gabbana. So you can always find me online and find me on uh, Twitter.com. And go follow me because I'm always putting up some good stuff as well, too. But anyway, getting back to the DC debate and how it's, how it's just a reflection on copying what works. But a copy of a copy is never as good, right? I mean, if you take a photocopy of something... It's not quite as good as the original. There's always a little degradation, and as you go and go along and go along, go along, go along, that's what happens. So now we circle back to MIB 23. MIB 23. Now, okay, I'm going to take one step back, and from a pure, like, zaniness, Jonah Hill, Channing Tatum, maybe Will Smith, maybe Tommy Lee Jones, I think they're out uh, from the preliminary, from what we've heard. They're actually out. They're not in right now, but... Um, Maybe Josh Brolin. Maybe they reinvent the whole thing. Maybe they bring Laura, Linda Fiorentino back. Who knows? Maybe they bring, you know, or maybe they just invent a new Men in Black. Whatever. The, the concept is cool in that sense from a fan point of view. It's kind of like, okay, I can get on board with this because it's going to be funny. It's going to be interesting. It'll be, I mean, how, how ridiculous is it going to be that they're going to have Channing Tatum, Channing Tatum and uh, Jonah Hill basically become men in black i mean that's essentially what it is right i mean it's it's essentially a, a new men in black movie um studios make movies they feel to have a market that's it uh that was one of our periscope people and i apologize because it just faded as it went but it was ava something 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 i'll be sure to uh give you a proper shout out on twitter later um anyone that comments in on periscope i will uh 23 jump street in black x underscore leave just um tweeted over our way yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. There is a market for this in a sense. Yes, in a sense, I'm actually kind of very fascinated by this because it's such a crazy crossover. In a sense, 
you can look at it from a positive and say, look what Marvel has done now. This would never have happened without the Marvel movies. You know, this would never have happened without the Seattle Seahawks beating Peyton Manning. And now, ironically enough, Denver Broncos, with a, with a not quite uh, stellar Peyton Manning, ended up winning the Super Bowl based on the exact same uh, foundation that the Seahawks beat them a few years ago. So maybe, maybe Men in Black 23 will be this, ver- this year's version of the Denver Broncos. Um, is Ice Cube replacing Zed? Jersey Jedi asks. Good question. Don't really know if that's going to be happening or not. I think at this point, we everything is open to speculation at this point. So I don't know if there's anything that we can uh, we can say with any definitive yes or no. So we're going to have a lot to talk about. We actually have, like I said, Jeff Gomez returning. He's our first return guest here on... Uh, Oh, maybe not return. Actually, maybe not the first because we've had the uh, the boys from Bad Coyote Funky call in on a number of occasions. So, but the first planned return guest uh, is Jeff Gomez. And uh, speaking of the Bad Coyote Funky bunch, we're going to do some more house cleaning before we get to Jeff Gomez. Um, we are going to be doing another joint podcast slash talking alternative radio show with the Bad Coyote Funky bunch. I'll be announcing that next week and starting in May. We're moving to a prime time slot, so every Periscope peep that I've got has gotten used to seeing me at eleven o'clock every Friday. Um, maybe I'll maybe I'll do something from home on Periscope, but you'll also get a chance to see me Wednesday nights at eight thirty, starting in the second week of May. I believe the date is May eleventh. I want to say something like that. So just laying the foundation. We'll we'll make a grand announcement on our social media pages as well. Want to give a shout out to. My boy, Buddy Scalera, who wrote Deadpool back in the 90s, um, but in addition to being uh, the writer of Deadpool, he also has done a number of amazing creative um, book projects out there. One of those is Photo Reference for Comic Book Artists, um, and it is back in print. Basically, I'm an artist myself, so you can catch me at different conventions. I was just at the Camden Comic Con. I'll be at the Hudson Valley Comic Con in May, uh, May 7th and 8th. I'll be at Wizard World Philadelphia in June, and I'll be at San Diego Comic Con in July. We're going to try to figure some cool thing out to tie into San Diego Comic Con while I'm out there as well, too. And, of course, New York Comic Con. I'm there every single year. Um, but Buddy's book, Photo Reference for Comic Book Artists, is back. You can go to comicbookschool.com slash photo reference book republished 2016 and you can check out everything basically for artists a must-have it basically has all of the comic book poses um photographed out with real people real models um had bodybuilders and weight trainers to get the right proportions so it's not just normal people doing the normal poses but it actually was a great reference for uh, any artist any fledgling artist any established artist doesn't make a difference so go check that out at comicbookschool.com so coming up next we've got jeff gomez from starlight runner starlight runner creates story universes for companies like sony and uh, they were actually had a hand in crafting the story universe for men in black and for Avatar. So what better person to talk to about these two new announcements that just happened this week um, than going straight to Jeff Gomez. So when we return, we will be talking to Jeff Gomez. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And, and welcome, welcome to, to 21st, 21st Century Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun. For you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business. And your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21stCE Radio or Talk Alternative. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back. 
If anybody digs the music that you are listening to, you can actually check out some of the tracks. I got them up on my SoundCloud account, soundcloud.com slash Secrets of the Sire. So we have that going on as well, too. We're just a multifaceted um, show. And uh, welcome back to all the Periscope peeps as well, too. And yes, for anyone that is curious, we are a live talk radio show every week, every Friday, uh, at least for the next month, at 11 a.m., on uh, TalkingAlternative.com. And I'd like to welcome my guest, Jeff Gomez from Starlight Runner. Hey, how you doing, Mike? I'm doing good. Now, Jeff actually uh, sent me some really great information a couple weeks ago. You were traveling in China, and uh, you sent me a text message. What what, had, what happened? Could you tell our, our audience? <laughs> uh, absolutely. Um, well, I um, uh, when I travel, I bring along my podcasts. And when I, when I uh, run out of them, um, I tap into my hotel's uh, Wi-Fi and, and try and get uh, a, a few to tide me over. Uh, in this particular case, I um, uh, uh, plugged in, and uh, my, my typical uh, electronic dance music podcast came down just fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, a, a few other um, uh, uh, podcasts, like NPR, mm-hmm. uh, uh, came down. But I noticed that... Uh, uh, my my favorite uh, podcast, Secrets of the Sire, did not come down. <laughs> um, and and uh, one or two others, like Empire uh, podcast from the United Kingdom, the, uh, the science fiction magazine uh, podcast, did not come down. Um, when I um, attempted to to connect through the uh, through the internet through the web. Uh, there was a, a simple sign that uh, that came up that said something to the effect of um, uh, uh, this uh, uh, content with with an S at the end. <laughs> this content uh, contains discussions which might be um, disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> when we are extremely and, extremely uh, disturbing. Uh, and, and, and so it, it would not allow the download. So, speaking of disturbing... <laughs> so, in short, Mike, you are uh, banned in China. Excellent. We, you know, that's how you know you're, you're doing well, is when you're, when you're banned uh, from YouTube and banned from uh, China. Um, that, that, means, that means there's got to be something of interest uh, that people should not be listening to unless they try you're, really hard. You're, you're a renegade. That's right. So you always have been. <laughs> yeah. you always have been. So, so, Jeff, speaking of disturbing, that's actually a great segue. I was actually prepping this week to, to continue the discussion we had last week, and I'm going to get your take on that one, too, uh, a little bit later, um, about the DC movie future, or the DC un- movie universe future, when all of a sudden sure. I see Men in Black crossing over with 21 Jump Street, and your name, just your, your, your image just... Like materialized in my head, and I said, "I got to get your take on this." First of all, how, if you know, um, and for the audience that's tuning in, uh, Jeff's company, Starlight Runner, um, at StarlightRunner.com, crafts movie universes and story universes for different uh, franchises. It doesn't have to be movies either; it can be any um, any IP out there. But they've worked with studios like Sony, um, and we're, we're actually very pivotal in crafting the extended universe and this and the story universe around Men in Black. Um, uh, particularly around Men in Black 3. So, Jeff, if you can give us some insight, how did this exactly happen? Okay, well, um, uh, just to clarify, uh, I'm, I'm not... Uh, Starlight Runner isn't uh, working uh, directly on uh, Men in Black 23. <laughs> Correct. Um, uh, when, uh, when we were hired by Sony, uh, the, the, the idea was, hey, we have this um, a great intellectual property, it's um, uh, it, it is a star vehicle for um, uh, Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, but we want to examine it to see whether this property is robust enough to to become uh, one of these uh, multi-platform universes. Now that's a question that we're asked often. Yeah, and some and we and it's our job to be very honest. Um, and in this particular case, we said, well. You know, it bears a closer examination, you know, and, and show us everything you've got. Mm-hmm. And what's remarkable is that Men in Black is a, a truly rich and robust universe. Um, it's not just the, um, 
the the two films that they had and the one that was in production, Men in Black 3, uh-huh. there was a, a fabulous cartoon series, which was genuinely funny and interesting. I remember you mentioning thoughtful. that. Yeah, I remember yeah. you mentioning that. That's right. And um, and there were novels and video games. Um, uh, in other words, people were able, uh, creators were able to tap into this universe and have fun with it. In some cases, uh, without the J and K characters, um, uh, and um, and so uh, when when we realized that there were these interesting themes and unique uh, elements in, in the Men in Black universe, we mm-hmm. said, you know, not only is this universe um, big enough for other characters to star in, sure. like some of the shared universes we're seeing uh, today. Yeah. Um, it's actually fairly malleable. Um, uh, it, it can, because of, of the comical element, uh, you can smash things into this universe, and uh, and new things can emerge. Now, it was not our idea <laughs> uh, for for Twenty One Jump Street <laughs> uh, to be combined with uh, with Men in Black, but the idea of its its malleability, uh, the idea that that it could um, uh, manifest in different ways on different media, um, uh, you know, essentially was in the documentation that we created, the Men in Black mythology. Okay. Do you think, now, knowing the history of, of comic book movies in general, comic book movies, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just use that blanket statement to kind of blanket any, anything that's, uh, or maybe pop culture movies, maybe, you know, we'll call it that, to, to really generalize these kind of um, superhero slash fantasy slash sci-fi, anything, anything that's not a typical human drama that is Oscar-worthy contention. Let's, <laughs> let's go with, we'll go with that general statement. Um, in years past, it used to be that, Comic book movies or, or pop culture movies um, were fluff. Uh, Josh Hartnett, uh, you know, famously actually passed on the Christian Bale role in Batman uh, and the Chris, you know the Christopher Nolan Batman movies because he didn't want to be typecast. He didn't want to be considered, you know, part of that universe and then not be able to do his more serious work. As that kind of stigma has been removed. Is that the justification, do you think, for Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum to say, let's do a... I mean, why would you do, if you're Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum, why would you do this kind of movie? Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a good uh, reason. Uh, in, in the case of those two gentlemen, I do not think that they were worried too much about stigma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen some of the movies they've been in? <laughs> that's, I, I guess so. It's, it's funny. It, it's amazing how Jonah Hill, especially, has been able to kind of bounce back and forth between you know, movies like Moneyball um, or the movie he's starting with James Franco, and then, but also be able to do kind of these like really obscenely gross you know, you know, comedies <laughs> at the same time. So yes, yeah, I agree with that. There is, there is that. But, uh, no, it, it's, um, it, you know what it is? Um, uh, they they pretty much have uh, uh, stated what they what they had to say about the Twenty One Street concept. Let, let's face it, um, uh, they're 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 not uh, kids anymore. The two of them. Yeah. I don't think they were even kids when they did Twenty One Jump Street. Um, uh, so so the fundamental uh, quality of of uh, you know of Twenty One Jump Street, its its fundamental premise. Um, is is being uh, young and and going undercover uh, under those kinds of circumstances, high school or spring break or things like that. Um, we, we've done it. So um, what what they're really gambling on is the fact that those two guys have incredible chemistry mm-hmm. and um, um, and the 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 relationship that we understand out of those two movies um, is is truly fun. Yeah. Um, so to to take that and smush it into this science fiction concept, um, uh, of Men in Black, which does have uh, some oddly some some uh, thematic overlay yeah. uh, with uh, with Twenty One Dr- Jump Street in terms of its absurdity, mm-hmm. um, in in terms of its um, capacity for uh, 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 a procedural crime. Think about it. Men in Black is a police procedural. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so that there is enough of of an overlap um, to to make this thing somewhat feasible. I think. Sure. 
No, I think there is too. And and actually, we were having a conversation, uh, our little pre-show prep with uh, with with Sam and uh, and and George, our, our new assistant that came in as well too. And and we mm. were talking about how uh, you, uh, we can see it actually from a fun point of view. And I brought that up in the first segment. This is fun at the end of the day, but is it also kind of? In your opinion, do you feel this is a jumping on the bandwagon from Sony and they got their their guys involved? Or did these guys say, hey, you know, it'd be really cool, Channing. What what is that, Jonah? If we could get if we could make our sequel to our sequel um, a crossover. Uh, I, I think it's probably the former. I think it's the studio saying crossovers are big right now. Look at what Marvel's doing. Look at what DC's trying to do. Uh, we have properties. People are into this. Let's make a movie and then approach our talent and see what happens. And to me, that's a recipe for disaster. But what do you think? Was it chicken or the egg? Which came first in your mind? Um, uh, uh, to be honest, I, I think there are elements of both. But certainly uh, your interpretation, as usual, Mike, is, um, is correct. <laughs> this is, this, is, um, why we, this uh, is why we invite you on all the time because, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, listen, um, uh, l- look at the challenge that, that Sony is facing. Mm-hmm. They, they have an aging uh, uh, story world yeah. in, in Men in Black. That story world is hugely expensive. Yeah. You can't think of Men in Black without spending $100 million before the first frame of film is shot, because yeah. you've got to pay these huge stars and huge producers um, a, a lot of money. Um, uh, so h- how, do you, how do you keep this franchise going? Um, um, I, 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 in my opinion... It's a worthy uh, world. It's a worthy universe. It ought to continue. Yeah. Uh, we ought to conti- be able to continue to enjoy uh, uh, this universe. So how do you do that? You need to introduce uh, a new pair of, of characters, right? Um, uh, to do it all by itself is really a risk. That's a gamble, you, you know, to yeah. find two guys to fill those shoes. Anyone will tell you that is a big, big risk. Um, uh, so, what? How do you stack the deck? You you bring in two surefire guys, and <laughs> and and in some ways you're respecting the Men in Black universe enough not to put uh, uh, Jonah Hill <laughs> into the into the shoes of a Men in Black uh, 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 character. You're bringing those two characters in to help introduce a new pair that will then. Uh, take over the franchise. So, uh, before we go to break, actually, that's a really interesting point. That's something I didn't even consider. Um, is this the new Men in Black franchise? Is this essentially, are, are, are we ditching 21 Jump Street, and is this the new Men in Black franchise going forward? Uh, uh, the, the, uh, truly, the, uh, should we go? Uh, the, uh, we got the time. Yeah. Okay. Um, there are indications uh, that have been made uh, public that um, that there are further Men in Black films uh, under consideration. Uh, whether those Men in Black films will star the two characters introduced in um, uh, MIB 2-3 okay. uh, has, has not been revealed. But I have a feeling um, you're, you're going to, uh, at, at the very least, um, uh, get a number of Easter eggs. They are treating... Listen, uh, the, the, the producer of the Men in Black films is Walter Parks. Uh-huh. Walter Parks produced some of the greatest movies of all time with Steven Spielberg. Yeah. He is an extremely thoughtful and smart guy. He does understand shared universes. He, he, um, he, he knew he, and understood them before he even started working with Starlight Runner uh-huh. um, on MIB3. Yeah. So um, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, Easter eggs in MIB2-3 that are indicative of a much wider uh, Men in Black universe. Very cool. Speaking of fantastic movies, we're going to talk Avatar when we return. All right. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. (laughs) 
Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. Are you looking for a show where people talk about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? Well, then you have come to the right place because The Rob and Callie Show is doing just that. For the last 10 years, Rob and I have been having our own version of Sunday morning therapy sessions on the phone. And now we're bringing it to the radio. So tune in and call in live Wednesdays, 8 to 8.30 on talkradio.myc. And that's Eastern Standard Time. So join us. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. We are talking MIB 23, but we're going to move over to the other big announcement of the week, which was James Cameron announces not one, not two, not three, but four movie sequels. Now, we have Jeff Gomez. You can actually find him on Twitter, at Jeff underscore Gomez, G-O-M-E-Z. Um, he is the owner and operator of Starlet Runner Entertainment. They build story universes. They've worked with uh, companies like Sony to work on the MIB3 franchise. Um, and they also were uh, working with James Cameron on Avatar. And now Jeff, when I invited him on, specifically said, I cannot give you any plot details. So my first question for Avatar, is there any plot details you can give us? <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, uh, here's one, uh, Mike, just, just for you. Um, uh, the, the Earth spent a whole lot of money getting to Pandora. Do you think they're going to just rest on their laurels because uh, a, a small band of uh, a military types got chased off that moon? There you go. I'll take it. I'll, I'll take it. There's a scoop. We have a scoop. That's that. That's the little, the little newsman in the... Uh, in the uh, the fifties newsroom, it's a scoop. What a scoop! All right. <laughs> so, so we were talking about MIB twenty three, but we also wanted to talk about Avatar, and uh, we'll leave it open to our Periscope peeps as well too to kind of chime in. They might have some questions for you too. But uh, sure. give us give us the behind the scenes on Avatar. Why did it take seven years to announce four sequels? And what do you know about the succession of these <clears throat> movies coming out? Um, uh, in the earlier segment, we talked about the uh, great producer, uh, Walter Parks. Um, uh, I've had the great fortune of working with true visionaries in, in Hollywood. These are people who are pushing the boundaries. And uh, uh, the producer, John Landau and James Cameron, um, they, 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 they saw uh, franchises like Star Wars. They saw that... Uh, it is now possible to create on a much larger canvas mm -hmm. um, and transmedia and and the notion of uh, serialized uh, feature films uh, these are um, these are things that um, uh, uh, are uh, <coughs> kind of empowering them to to um, to tell their stories in a um, in a much grander fashion yeah so um, when, when we were working on Avatar, <clears throat> there was always discussion of an Avatar 2 and even an Avatar 3. They, they, uh, you know, right. At that time, they saw things as trilogies uh, because that's what was working, yep. right? Um, so um, uh, I believe that um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has gone a long way toward emboldening studios, uh, movie studios, uh -huh. to authorize um, a, a vision that goes beyond the trilogy. Okay? So, so while uh, Cameron always saw um, uh, three or even four movies uh, coming out of Avatar way back uh, uh, several years ago when the film was in production, sure. the first film, um, uh, uh, what we're going to see, particularly with um, Captain America's Civil War, which is going to blow your mind in terms of its 
um, uh, fruition of the potential of serialized movies. Um, that is is actually permitting um, the studios to to um, uh, allow visionaries to think beyond the trilogy. So, I mean, obviously, James Cameron has some some pull there. Uh, you know, you're not going to get a an unseasoned director that hasn't you know crafted some of the most memorable franchises in the last thirty years. Uh, to have the same vision. So I, I, I would imagine that just having James Cameron's name kind of facilitated that with the studio. Or is this something that we're going to see beyond just Avatar? Are we going to see other franchises now kind of, you know, using this mold? Or, or, or is it going to be a wait and see and see how, you know, the four Avatar sequels kind of work together? Uh, again, again, Mike, um, the, the precedent that's going to be set by Captain America Civil War is going to be truly powerful. Um, here's a, a, a picture that's going to be self-contained. It has a beginning, middle, and end that most people can walk in off the street and basically understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's emotional resonance. The, the power of the conflicts between these characters is informed by the previous films. In fact, um, uh, Captain America Civil War um, is most informed besides the earlier Captain America films, by Iron Man 3. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's, it's so strange. Yeah. Because uh, you, you look back on, on the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and you don't see necessarily Iron Man 3 as a, uh, a, a truly prominent film. Sure. Um, but the darkness that, that Tony uh, uh, encounters with himself uh-huh. and, and the fallout from the first Avengers films, is in that movie, and and the uh, expression of it, um, uh, which um, uh, uh, ultimately appears in Age of Ultron, is um, is is evidence that that he um, it, it mishandles that that darkness, which swings him all the way sure. uh, uh, into the other direction, and 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 sparks this civil war. I mean, that's um, that's cool. Because what it's doing, what Civil War is doing, is increasing the value of Marvel Cinematic Universe's library. Now we have to go back, the way we did when we collected comics. Sure. Oh, i got to see where this came from, this story thread, this plot element. Oh, it came from that back issue. I'm going to go buy it. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's really good, because it keeps the entire library alive and vital. Um, So... Now, um, uh, Avatar 2 or 3 or 4 will be informed by these previous movies and perhaps by other transmedia, because uh, Cameron is a believer in, in multi-platform storytelling. Yep. And, and that is what is going to embolden many studios to make the attempt. You know, uh, Mike, we've talked in the past about the fact that I'm worried that they, they won't understand the depth of, of the emotional resonance of these movies, that's that's uh, where the real talent comes in. That's where good storytelling comes in. Um, uh, so some of these shared universes can fail if they don't plant the seeds properly. Well, you're actually segueing right into into the next question. Sam actually had a question uh, before we even get to that. Was uh, you know, do we know what the time frame for these Avatar movies uh, coming out will be? Um, uh, it, it, they've been announced. As uh, as Avatar two for Christmas of 2018, Avatar three for Christmas of 2020, mm-hmm. Avatar four for Christmas of 2022. So okay. these are separated by two years of sure. peace. But the fifth Avatar, Christmas of 2023. Huh. So they're really um, so really bookending re- that one. Yeah, re- uh, rapid succession. And yes, uh, my my feeling is that. Um, at some point, he's not going to be able to stop production. <laughs> You'll have to shoot four and five almost back-to-back. So getting back to just an earlier point that you were um, making, too, though, is the fact that, you know, if it's not handled properly, it's going to fail. And Marvel, I mean, we actually cited the comic book universe. Uh, we actually cited the 
um, you know, the the foundation for how they used to run their comic books as to the experience that they needed to to do the movies correctly. And James Cameron, I would think, just has that that vision that that other filmmakers or or uh, other studio heads just don't have. And I think he will be able to pull it off. But you know, what did you think of the DC movie universe? I know that was something that we kind of talked about last week, and I'd love to get your take on what you thought of Batman v Superman and as an example of a, of a movie studio that might not have done it right? Well, I mean, uh, I, I've been talking about this uh, at the office, and uh, Fabian Nicieza had a really, really smart uh, uh, take on, on what the problem is. Yeah. Um, these guys at, uh, at Legendary Pictures and, and Zack Snyder... Um, uh, they're um, they're roughly my age, a, a little bit younger. Uh, they're in their their forties and and such. And um, and so the the quintessential moment for them in their in their comic book geekhood was in the nineteen eighties. Uh-huh. Uh, in the nineteen eighties, uh, Frank Miller triggered what we call the deconstructionist age. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was a time when you took all of the staples of the superhero um, uh, genre and you broke them down yeah. and, and you, um, uh, you inverted them, you made them dark, um, you, you moved these characters away from their archetypes um, to see what would happen. And, and you got works of genius, didn't you? Yeah. You got uh, The Dark Knight Returns. You got Watchmen. Both uh, directed by Zack Snyder. Um, uh, <laughs> you, you got Sandman. These were uh, astounding uh, works. They were very, very dark. Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, in, in Fabian's opinion, if you're going to kick off a, a cinematic universe... Uh, based on these archetypal mythic uh, superhero characters, why would you start with deconstruction? <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? I know exactly the what you're saying. The yeah. world doesn't remember. <laughs> the generation growing up doesn't remember the Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> that's, okay, that's it an interesting point. Understands though. the iconic characters from the cartoons and 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 maybe a few of them from the comic books. So you're you're basically uh, starting from scratch with these characters and deconstructing them immediately, and that's what you got with Batman versus Superman. Yeah, um, you got these authority figures because the DC universe. Uh, again, this is Fabian Nicieza's take. Sure, uh, you, you got um, you got these uh, um, uh, 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 amazing characters, but with DC, they're authority figures. They are our heroes. Who, who will protect us, and, um, and they're almost like gods. Yeah. Um, and, um, and you need to build them up before you, you tear them down. <laughs> I, whereas, I agree. Whereas with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you built up those characters. You spent 10 years um, introducing and building up these characters for the, the world to fall in love with, enjoy, and, and so forth. And then what you do in, in Marvel is yes, you start to do a little deconstruction, um, but but you you don't do it at the expense of the characters. If you look at the Captain America Civil War, yeah, both sides are kind of right. Right. <laughs> um, you don't want them to fight. It's tragic that they fight um, because they both have very very good points. That doesn't diminish or demean any of those characters. Whereas in Batman v Superman. The reason that they're fighting is is silly, um, <laughs> and the resolution of that fight is a little bit goofy. Uh, well, the resolution I'm not definitely. Just as my opinion, I'm, I'm just talking from sure. a narrative standpoint. Mm-hmm. There, there are some the, the wheels a little a little shaky there, and um, uh, you know. The characters are acting a little bit douchebaggy. <laughs> well, that's going to get <laughs> us banned they, now. They've drifted from their archetype because this is a deconstructionist approach. And so what you're getting as a result is a bad taste in your mouth. You, you don't quite understand what happened. You don't quite know it 
lots of cool effects. They're smashing each other through buildings and so forth. Yeah. But um, but we're not emotionally invested because we haven't spent much time with these particular incarnations of the characters. And we're already, um, you know, pitting them uh, against w- one another, and um, and that is uh, a fundamental uh, difficulty from the Warner Brothers perspective. Well, Jeff, uh, as always, amazing perspective on this stuff. We uh, thank you for joining us, and uh, don't don't download uh, us in China when uh, you say the word <laughs> douchebaggery, because then we'll probably get banned in there again too. But uh, Jeff, oh, sorry about that. That's okay. Thank you. So, you know, the funny thing is, we are internet radio, and we are okay to say whatever we want to. But uh, we'll keep it clean for the kids. Jeff, thank you so much. You can you can uh, you can check out anything um, transmedia. You can hear Jeff talk. He talks at various. Conventions across the country, and if not, you can always tweet him at f at at Jeff Gomez, Jeff underscore Gomez, J E F F underscore Gomez, G O M E Z. Jeff, thank you so much. Always a pleasure, Mike. When when we return, we are going to cap off our debate from last week. Can Suicide Squad save the DC movie universe? You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and storytelling? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your brand new radio host on talkradio.nyc. I've been professionally writing and drawing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for over 15 years. Catch my new show, Secrets of the Sire, Fridays at 11 a.m., and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com right now. TalkingAlternative.com Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. I want to thank Jeff Gomez again. I want to properly give out his Twitter handle. It's af- at, Jesus, I keep saying F. He's got two Fs in it. At Jeff underscore Gomez. Uh, he is the head of Starlight Runner Entertainment, and they craft story universes. So they worked with Avatar. They worked with Men in Black. So it was a really great experience having him on. He is the first recurring guest planned recurring guest on Secrets of the Sire. A uh, little house cleaning. Um, we have a great Facebook page. We put out a lot of great content during the week. Uh, I'll be writing a piece on our next topic this weekend. You can catch it on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire. You can also go to secretsofthesire.com, S-I-R-E. That is how you spell sire. You can find us on any podcasting app out there. We are are centrally located in iTunes, but we're also on SoundCloud now, so go to soundcloud.com slash secretsofthesire, and you can play back any of our previous uh, podcasts. I'll be posting those to our Twitter feed, which is at Michael underscore Dolce. You can also search Secrets of the Sire, and you can find us on there as well, too. And uh, we're on Instagram, and we're on Periscope. We're actually live on Periscope now, so if anyone on Periscope wants to chime in, now is the time to do it. I wanted to save a little bit of time just to kind of reflect back on last week's debate, Uh, and we talked about it briefly with our guest, Jeff Gomez, as well. Batman v. Superman and the future of the DC movie universe. So I have... I, I proposed a very simple question last week is, do you have any faith in the DC movie universe? And that brought a ton of debate. Um, I mean, even debate that wasn't even uh, intentionally out there. People just started kind of taking it and running with it. Uh, on my own you know, personal page, we had that question, and uh, we actually had a debate going back and forth between two, uh, two friends of mine. One is Nevin Frederick. Um, he actually did have faith, and he actually loved BVS. Sorry. 
And then uh, Omar Morales chimed back in and said, enough said, Captain, uh, he was going for Civil War. Um, there was a good debate going back. Hated both the last Batman and last Superman, so I refused to see Batman v Superman flick. Um, Nevin chimed in, then you are missing out on a great flick. Sorry, BVS was awesome. Uh, Omar at some point did write, and I think he cleaned up his post, did you actually see the movie? Because I remember reading that thinking that was pretty, um, you know, they're both good guys, so uh, no no harm, no foul. But, it, you know, it. this is the, this is what they do, though. This is what these movies do. They really inspire us. They really get us going. I mean, we want to see these iconic characters, kind of what Jeff was talking about. We want to see them shine up there and for all the good that Zack Snyder brought visually to BVS uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of not so good I'll go not so good I won't go bad I'll just say not so good uh, Thorne McGee chimed in on our Twitter account no WB doesn't understand the core mythic ideas DC characters are built on it's the worst pairing of company and IP possible and that's been there's evidence for that now I mean there's evidence that they're that they're rushing this stuff out there um, that they're trying to they're trying to capitalize on all this stuff um, and that's a good segue into Suicide Squad which is coming out in August uh, bonjour to Nicholas 13300 uh, on Periscope as well he's I'm chiming in I'm assuming from France or some French location uh, maybe a bakery the Suicide Squad now I think is the is now it's got a lot more pressure on it. And the first thing we we heard last week, and which what I was going to actually base the show around this week, is they started doing some reshoots. So Warner Brothers now J- Jai Courtney, who is or Jay is it Jai uh, J A I, he chimed in and said, no 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 reshoots reshoots. This is stuff that we were planning. This is not stuff that we need to worry about. Uh, the rumor was that Suicide Squad was doing reshoots because. It just wasn't funny enough that it was not, uh, it didn't have the humor, so it was essentially, you know, based off of the feedback of Batman v Superman, that it was too dark and too gritty and too this and too that, Warner Brothers is like, oh crap, we need to do something about this, let's let's bring the cast back in. Hi from France Radio, yes, we are in, on, we're being broadcast live on TalkingAlternative.com, so we are broadcast around the globe and on Periscope as well, so thank you guys for ch- chiming in. I do not speak French, but if my wife was on Periscope, she would talk French back with you. She'll be very upset that she missed out on this opportunity, but she's taking care of our uh, two-month-old son at home, so I'm sure she's got her hands full. Um, but yeah, Suicide Squad doing all these reshoots, and we, you know, we kind of, for a second, yeah, it just makes me cringe. It makes me cringe to see the word reshoot because you know that there's just this tampering going on. And if you have followed um, this podcast, this radio show in the past, you know that my take on B- Batman v Superman is that Zack Snyder was not fully um, pulling the strings on all of this uh stuff that's going on that that Warner Brothers was essentially saying we need to catch up we need to we need to be like Marvel we need to do this as soon as possible um, Sony if you if you heard the beginning of this segment I think is doing the exact same thing with the MIB 23 franchise that's why I asked uh, Mr. Gomez if he thought the chicken or the egg what came first did the idea for a Men in Black 21 Jump Street movie uh, come up first from the stars and the creative people or did it come from the studio saying we need to do something uh, that is kind of hip and what people are interested in and that's what I think is is what we're seeing so can Suicide Squad actually save the DC Universe I actually think well let's see now my, my track record here is Deadpool is going to flop and uh, and it totally flopped except the opposite happened it didn't um, I think Suicide Squad is very very well um anticipated for the debut of just one particular character. Well, I'm going to say two particular characters. We're going to say um, Jared Leto's Joker. People are just dying to see what that is. I think that's going to be phenomenal. I think his performance is going to be phenomenal. I'll save my predictions for performances here. We'll do it this way. Uh, I think his his Joker is going to be phenomenal. If there's anybody that could kind of pass the torch from Heath Ledger, I think Jared Leto has shown an enormous amount of range. I think his... um, his test shots and his photography that we've seen coming from the set is, is it's pretty badass, right? I mean, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty something that, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing. So um, I think that's going to be very good. Uh, the other thing that um, you know, other French say, you speak so quickly. Yes, I, I, I do apologize, but I speak English. Can't, I don't speak French. I, I speak a little bit of Spanish, which is uh, donde esta tu baño. You always, you always, most important thing. And uh, donde está tu cerveza? That's that's the other thing. And actually, they go hand in hand. 
you know, it, one usually comes before the other talking about chicken and, chicken and egg, right? Um, I think that Harley Quinn is, is what everyone is waiting to see. I think Harley Quinn is the character that we are, that the fans are dying to see. So there's a lot of pressure on Suicide Squad now to kind of make up for what Batman v Superman did. And um, I think that Wonder Woman movie, I think that that actually got the biggest boost from Batman v Superman. So there is hope. Um, whether you have faith in the DC Universe, obviously the inherent um, idea was no. Todd Sliss commented no. <laughs> when I asked the question on our Facebook page slash Secrets of the Sire. I mean, generally speaking, people have, are, are just don't have faith that that DC can pull off a good movie and uh, Warner Brothers can actually pull off a good movie. So, well, we do have an open mind. So Taylor, OMG Temps just chimed in. And eh, maybe if you view it with an open mind. Now, look, we are, just because I'm wearing a Thor shirt, as all our Periscope viewers can see, um, actually, that makes me mo- even more qualified to have an open mind because I'm not a DC guy per se. I was always a Batman guy. I always loved Batman. Robin was one of my favorite series, comic book series, when uh, Chuck Dixon wrote it uh, back in the 90s. I was a big fan of that book. Um, Jim Lee's work on Batman, Jeff Loeb. I mean, there's there's runs that I really, really love and really, really enjoy, but I'm not a DC guy. Actually, uh, one of my uh, table mates at these conventions that I do, these Comic-Cons that I visit and, and exhibit at, I mean, he's a DC guy and he refuses to see any more movies because he was so offended by it. But he's a DC guy and that's, and that's what he is. And I'm a Marvel guy, so I am actually coming in with an open mind to say there is definitely um, the possibility. So she said, if you went into Batman... Superman with an open mind, not wanting to wanting either to win, but knowing that, and I'm sure she's going to continue that, um, it's building up to the Justice League movie. But see, that's my problem with it, actually. Why does it have to build up so quickly to the Justice League movie? If you come into it saying, this is just all a setup, then honestly, I, I didn't get my experience out of it, right? My experience is, I want to see a Batman and Superman movie team up, not I want to see Batman versus Superman so that we can see a Justice League movie down the line and really, really hammer that home. I would rather see that it that they do it in a patient way, kind of like the, what the Marvel movies do, um, that they, they have a plan. You don't want to see anything rushed. That's why when we heard about MIB 23, as we kind of talked about, you know, is that a rushed thing as well, too? Is that something that's just jumping on the bandwagon? DC clearly is jumping on the bandwagon. And by doing so, they're actually putting more pressure on their own movies to succeed. So, um, yes, I saw the way they introduced Aquaman. Uh, that was someone else just chimed in. Did you see the way they introduced Aquaman? Yes, they did. And it was, a, I mean, yeah, it was cool. I mean, it was cool to see Aquaman. It's cool to see... Um, it's cool to see these characters up on, on the screen, and that's kind of what we talked about with Wonder Woman getting a big boost. So it'll be interesting to see. And, and you know, here's another question for everyone, and we're going to be addressing this uh, down the line, uh, probably with the Bad Coyote Funky Bunch again, where they're going to kind of guest on this, is, you know, is it fair to compare Marvel and DC movies? So that will be a topic coming up in two weeks. Next week, though, we're going to welcome Jim Gibbons. He is the uh, new editor at a new digital comics company. And I love bringing this up. I did a blog post a few years ago, the digital versus print debate. What is the future of comic books? Um, and uh, this company is strictly digital. It's called Sela Comics, S-E-L-A, or maybe it's Sela. I'll find out. Uh, but we're going to welcome Jim Gibbons on next week, and we're going to do the digital versus print debate. Um, as always, this DC debate can continue on our Facebook page, slash Secrets of the Sire, and our Twitter account, at Michael Dolce. This is Secrets of the Sire on TalkingAlternative.com. Coming up next, 21st Century Entrepreneur with J.C. Maldonado and Joan Peltzer. Thank you, guys. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and storytelling? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your brand new radio host on talkradio.nyc. I've been professionally writing and drawing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for over 15 years. Catch my new show, Secrets of the Sire, Fridays at 11 a.m. and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com right now. Someone. 
Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And And welcome welcome to 21st Century Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun. For you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business. And your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21stCE Radio or Talk Alternative. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network, 